Matthew chapter number 22, and I want to bring your attention down to verse number 35, Matthew chapter 22, and verse number 35. The Bible says, then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? So the Bible has a lot of commandments, obviously. Most, most of the time we think of the Ten Commandments, but there's many more commandments than just the Ten Commandments. And here we have a lawyer coming to Jesus to tempt him, and he asks this question. He says, which is the great commandment in the law? And I want you to notice uh, the answer that Jesus gives, verse number 37. Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. He says, this is the first and great commandment. He says, this is the, if there's one commandment that you would put as the number one, the greatest, the most important commandment, it is this, that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. In verse 39, he says this, and the second is like unto it. He says the, the second greatest commandment, he said the, the second more important, uh, most important commandment is similar to it. He says it's a little different. He says, thou shalt love thy neighbor as Thyself. Now today, uh, as you know, is Valentine's Day, and the theme in, in our society is that of love, and we're thinking about love, and, and hopefully you're, you're, you're in, you know, if you're married, you're uh, celebrating the love that you have with your spouse and things of that nature. But uh, this morning, I, I want to talk to you about the subject of love and the greatest commandment, which is to love the Lord thy God. Uh, we're we're going to start, uh, we, we just finished our separation series last Sunday, and we're going to start a, a, a new two-part series uh, today, just a real short. Uh, two-part series on this idea of the greatest commandments. This week, we're going to deal with the subject of loving the Lord thy God. Next week, we're going to talk about loving thy neighbor as thyself. And the Bible talks a lot about this subject. Now, here's what's interesting about this idea of these two great commandments or the greatest commandments to love the Lord thy God and to love thy neighbor as thyself. In verse number 40, Jesus said this. He said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. He says, if you can get these two commandments down, you don't have to worry about the rest. He said, if you can figure out how to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and if you can figure out how to love thy neighbor as thyself, he said, on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. He said, all the other commandments are basically encompassed in these two commandments. Now, let me kind of illustrate that that to you uh, real quickly. Go, Go to the book of Romans. You're there in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. And while you go there, I'm going to read for you out of Exodus chapter 20. In Exodus chapter 20, you find the famous Ten Commandments. And we're all familiar with the Ten Commandments. I'll read it for you. But I want you to notice how it's true what Jesus says, that the rest of the commandments are encompassed in these two commandments. In in Exodus chapter 20, you find the Ten Commandments. I'm not going to read all of it for you. But the first commandment, number three, is given. in, in verse number three, it says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The second commandment says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. And he goes on to say also, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. The third commandment in verse 7, he says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. The uh, the fourth commandment in verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The fifth commandment uh, in verse 12 says, Honor thy father and thy mother. And what I want you to understand is, if you cut the Ten Commandments in half, You take the first five commandments, and you will notice that you will keep those commandments if you learn how to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Because those five commandments kind of have to deal with our relationship with God. He says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. If I love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, I won't have any other gods before him. 
If I love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, I'm not going to make any graven images or bow myself down to any graven images. If I, you know, in the Old Testament, they were to keep the Sabbath day. If they loved the Lord thy God, then they would keep that Sabbath day. If they loved the Lord thy God, they would not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Uh, uh, the, fifth, the fifth commandment is honor thy father and thy mother. And I still kind of think that applies to God because he's our heavenly father. And we are to honor our father. And in the same way, we are to obviously honor our father and mother here on earth. If you look at the rest of the commandments, they all have to deal with our relationship with our neighbor. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. Here's the thing. If I love my neighbor as myself, I'm not going to covet his things. If I love my neighbor as myself, I'm not going to commit adultery. If I love my neighbor as myself, I'm not going to steal his things. I'm not going to lie to him. I'm not going to kill him. So you see how it's very true that if we can figure out these two things, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and to love thy neighbor as thyself, you truly will keep the rest of the commandments. And the Apostle Paul illustrates this for us in the book of Romans. Are you there in Romans chapter 13? Look at verse number 9. Notice what he says, Romans 13, 9. Now here he's going to highlight the, the loving thy neighbor as thyself. We're going to preach about that next week. But I just want you to notice what he says in Romans 13, 9. He says, for this... Thou shalt not commit adultery, that's commandment number seven. Thou shalt not kill, that's commandment number six. Thou shalt not steal, that's commandment number eight. Thou shalt not bear false witness, that's commandment number nine. Thou shalt not covet, that's commandment number ten. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Notice verse number 10. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. See, the Bible says if you and I can figure out this idea of love, if we can figure out how to love the Lord thy God, if we can figure out how to love our neighbor as ourselves, hey, we'll fulfill everything else. We won't break any of the, uh, of the other commandments because love, he says love is the fulfilling of the law. He says the law is fulfilled in this one word, love. So over the next couple of weeks, I want to deal with this subject. And this morning, I want to deal with the subject, subject of loving the Lord thy God. And I want to give you three requirements because here's what you got to understand love requires something of us and we cannot just say i love god if we love god it requires certain things of us and uh as you study the bible you'll find there are basically three things that god requires of us if we are to love him i want to give those for you i'd encourage you to take notes this morning i'll try to uh give you the the points so you can write them down and uh we're going to look at a lot of passages so i'm going to try to help you get to them do your best to get to them with me if you're not able to write down the references you can uh, study them later on your on your own but i want you to notice you're there in the book of romans chapter 13 flip one page back to romans chapter number 12 and look at verse number nine i want to show you a principle about love that is not usually talked about or taught or really acknowledged, but it's, it's very real, and you'll find it all throughout the Bible. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 9, the Bible says this, Let love be without dissimulation. And then he makes a statement. He says, abhor. Now, the word abhor means to loathe. It means to detest. It means to despise. It means to hate. He says, abhor. And you would ask the Apostle Paul, you're telling us to love without dissimulation. Why are you bringing up this idea of abhorring, of despising, of hating? But here's what he says. He says, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Point number one this morning, for those of you that are taking notes, loving God requires contempt for the world. 
The, the word content means to disdain, to despise, to hate. And here's what you got to understand. Love and hate are two sides of the same coin. See, usually we think, you know, uh, love and hate have nothing to do with each other. But here's what you got to understand. Love and hate are actually connected. They're two, they're two different sides of the same coin. Because here's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, if you cleave to that which is good, then you're going to abhor that which is evil. Jack Hiles had a famous quote that he would say. He would say, you cannot love flowers without hating weeds. And see, the truth of the matter is that if I'm going to love something, it's going to automatically require that I hate some things. If I love truth, I'll hate lying. If I love good, I'll hate bad. If I love God, I'll hate sin. I'll hate the world. See, loving God requires contempt for this world. Let me prove it to you. You find this concept all throughout the Bible. Go with me to the book of Micah. This is the Old Testament uh, book. Uh, It's a minor prophet, Micah. If you start at the end of the Old Testament, you have the book of Malachi. If you go backwards, you're going to go past Malachi, past uh, Zechariah, past Haggai, past Zephaniah, past Habakkuk, past Nahum, into the book of Micah. So you got Malachi, Zechariah, Haggai, Zephaniah, Habakkuk, Nahum, and then the book of Micah. Micah chapter number 3, look at verse number 2. I want to show this to you. This concept is found all throughout the Bible. Love and hate are connected. They're actually just the other side of the same idea, the other side of the same principle, the other side of the same Coin, are you there in Micah chapter 3? Look at verse number 2. Micah chapter number 3 and verse number 2. Notice what the Bible says. Who hate the good, notice, who hate the good and love the evil. See, if you love evil, you hate good. And by the way, we'll see it here in a second. The opposite is true. If you love good, you hate evil. You can't say, I love good and I love evil. You can't say, I love evil and I love good. Look, if you hate good, then you love the evil. And this principle, this idea, if you abhor that which is evil, you will cleave to that which is good. If you hate that which is good, then you're going to love that which is evil. You're there in Micah. Keep going backwards in the Old Testament to the book of Amos. You're there in Micah. You're going to go past the book of Jonah, past the book of Obadiah, into the book of Amos. Look at Amos chapter 5 and verse number 15. Amos chapter number 5 and verse number 15. Amos chapter number 5 and verse 18. And here's what you got to understand. And this is what the world has not taught us, and we've been brainwashed out of this idea. But here's what you got to understand. You cannot love without hate. And by the way, you can't hate without love. They're two sides of the same coin. You love flowers, you're going to hate weeds. You love truth, you're going to hate lies. You, you, you love evil, you're going to hate good. Are you there in Amos chapter 5? Look at verse 15. Notice what the Bible says. Amos chapter 5. If you're, you're there in Micah, you go past Jonah, Obadiah, you're going backwards into the book of Amos. Amos chapter 5, look at verse 15. Hate the evil and love the good. Do you see that? I mean, you find this concept, it's consistent throughout the Bible. If you hate the evil, then you're going to love the good. If you love the evil, then you're going to hate the good. If you abhor that which is evil, you'll cleave to that which is good. Because here's what you got to understand. Love and hate are the different, they're just, they're the same, they're the different side of the same coin. You cannot love without hate. You cannot hate without love. Go to the book of Isaiah, chapter number 61. If you're going, keep going backwards, you go past Amos, past Joel, Past Hosea, past Daniel, past Ezekiel, past Lamentations, Jeremiah, into the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is that big, first, the, the first of the major prophets, that big book. Isaiah 61, look at verse 8. Isaiah 61, verse 8. Notice what he says in Isaiah 51. 
and verse 8, Isaiah 61, 8. He says, For I, the Lord, love judgment. Now, the word judgment is talking about justice being done. He's talking about fairness. He's talking about, you know, things being right and being, being equal. Talking about justice being served. Now, notice what he says. For I, the Lord, love judgment. Therefore, notice what he says, I hate robbery. See, if you love fairness, you're going to hate, you know, that which is not fair. This, this, when I read this verse, it reminds me of my wife. My, my wife is the type of person, you know, sometimes during the sweetheart uh, married couples banquet, can I, can I tell you a secret? Sometimes my wife, because my wife is real perceptive. I, I miss these things. But sometimes my wife can tell that a couple is cheating. Now, here's the thing. When they're cheating and they're losing, that's fine. We don't really care about that. But when they're cheating and they're winning, that just makes her so mad. You know, she gets so angry. She's just like, I can't believe those people. But here's the thing. My, my wife has such a love for, for judgment that she just hates robbery. That's why I don't play any board games with her, you know? Because uh, my, my thoughts is if you're not cheating, you're not trying, you know? And no, anyway, no, that's not true. That's, that's not true. But here, the love of the Lord, uh, the Bible says, for I love a judgment. And he says, I hate robbery. It's just, that's, that's my wife. You know, if you're going to play with her, you better play fair. Or she's going to call you on it, and she's going to smack you upside your head, all right? Go to Psalm 97. Psalm 97. Look at verse 10. Psalm 97, verse 10. But here's the thing. When you have such a love for fairness, it makes you hate cheating. When you have such a love for right, it makes you hate wrong. When you have, see, here's the thing. You've got to understand this. Love and hate are connected. So today people have this idea like, oh, no, no, I'm all about love, but, 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 but hate, that's a bad word. But here's the thing. If you love something, it'll cause you to hate something. Amen. And if you hate something, it'll cause you to love something. Are you there in Psalm 97? Look at verse number 10. Psalm 97, verse 10. The real reason I stopped playing games with my wife is just because she kept beating me. So it just, just got embarrassing after a while, you know. Psalm 97, look at verse 10. Psalm 97. If you find the book of Psalms, you just write in the, in the center of the Bible. You'll find the book of Psalms. If you're there in Isaiah, you're going to go past Song of Solomon, past Ecclesiastes, past Proverbs, into the book of Psalms. Psalm 97. Now, when you get to Psalm, do me a favor. We're going to leave Psalms, and we're going to come back to it. So put a bulletin or a ribbon or a bookmark or something there in Psalm 97, because we're going to leave it, and we're going to come right back to it, okay? But notice what Psalm 97.10 says. It says, Ye that love the Lord, notice, Ye that love the Lord hate evil. You can't, you can't say, I love the Lord, and I love everything else. No, no, no. If you love the Lord, you hate evil. Amen. And here's the thing. If you love evil, you don't love the Lord. See, love and hate are just different sides of the same coin. And here's what you got to understand. You cannot love everything. You cannot love everything. You choose what you love, and that determines what you hate. Or you choose what you hate, and that determines what you love. But you cannot love Everything. Someone said, said this, the one who loves everybody truly loves nobody. Think about that. The one who loves everybody truly loves nobody. Today, you know, people, people get up and say, oh, well, you know, at our churches, we got to accept, uh, you know, we, we got to love the pedophiles and we got to bring the pedophile in and they, they just need to be loved. Now, listen to me. Here's the problem. I love my children, so I can't love the pedophile. If I love the pedophile, then that means I don't love my children. If I want to protect my children and love my children, then I've got to abhor that which is evil. See, you can't just sit there and say, I'm neutral. I love everything. I love everyone. He who loves everything, he who loves everyone truly loves no one. Because love and hate are just a different side of the same coin. 
And if you love good, you hate evil. If you love the Lord, you hate evil. If you love righteousness, you hate evil. If you love judgment, you hate robbery. And if you love the things of this world, then you don't... That's why, and some of you are saying, this sounds a lot like the separation series. It sounds a lot like the Word of God. But that's why the Bible says, you know, for all that is in the world, the love of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. Go, keep your finger there or something in Psalm 97. We're going to come right back to it. Go to the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter number 19. If you find those first and second books, you got first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles. Those first and second books at the, towards the beginning of the Old Testament, go to Second Chronicles 19. Let me give you an, illus- an illustration. Brother, Brother uh, Stuckey got this for me uh, this week. He, he printed this out for me, and I don't, I don't think it's big enough for you to, for you to see it, but it's, it's, it's interesting. I guess at the Super Bowl this last, uh, this last week, uh, they had this thing where they, they basically wrote out on the crowd, they wrote out the words, believe in love. And did, did anybody see this? Anybody seen this? On, on, none of you are going to admit to it because I preach against the Super Bowl. Anybody see it not watching the Super Bowl, just watching the news? Okay, there you go. You know, anybody? And, and here's the thing. They, they, they had the crowd. They gave the crowd all sorts of different things to hold up. And it, it spelled out these words, believe in love. But on the background behind the words, I don't know if you can see in the picture here, it says believe in love, but then it has all the, 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 the colors of the rainbow. And the implication is this. You know, it's, it's obviously a pro-sodomite, pro-homosexual, pro-sodomite you know, agenda. And here's what they're trying to say. Here's the implication. If you believe in love, then you'll accept, you know, all the perversion and all the sodomy, you know, because, you know, get the rainbow out and let's accept everyone because we believe in love. But here's the problem with this. If you love the sodomite, then you don't love the God who does not love the sodomites. I mean, look, you, can't, you can't say, I love everyone. You've got to decide, I love God. And if you love God, then that'll cause you to hate certain things. And if you say, well, I love the sodomites, then that's going to cause you to hate certain things. And it's funny. It's interesting. This week, you know, I was working on this sermon, and I got, I got a phone call this week. I didn't answer the phone because I never answer the phone. And, uh, I, I, you know, and by the way, let me, let me give you a hint. If you, if you don't leave a message, I'm not calling you back, okay? So you, you leave me a message, and I'll call you back. But... Um, I got a phone call, and here's why, I don't, here's why I don't answer the phone. I got a phone call this week. This guy left a message, and, he said, and I get messages like this from time to time, and he says to me, he, he's upset, and he starts off cool, you know, and he's like, hey, you know, your church preaches against the sodomites, and your church this, and your church that, and he mentioned Pastor Anderson. We're, you're connected to Pastor Anderson, and, he's, and, and here's the thing, and he's saying, you guys are hateful, you guys are unloving, but as he's like leaving this message, he's like winding himself up. And he literally ends the message just screaming into the phone. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, I hope your house burns with your entire family in it. I'm not joking. He's like, I hope your children just die in a flame of fire. And here's what I'm thinking to myself. You're you're upset that we're hateful. And And you're like telling me on the phone that you hope my kids die in a fire? But here's the thing. These sodomites, they think like, oh, no, we believe in love. But here's the thing. If you believe in in loving the sodomites, then guess what? You're going to hate the fundamental Baptist preacher that stands against it. And it just proves the point. You know, they're like, well, you love God and you hate the sodomites. But guess what? If you stand against the sodomites, they're going to hate you too if they love that perversion. And I get calls like this all the time. And it just, you know, in the Super Bowl, they get up, we believe in love. That's not the truth. Here's the thing. If you love anything, you'll hate something. Because love and hate are connected. It's a, separate, it's a different side of the same coin. And you cannot love everything. You choose what you love. 
and that determines what you hate. This, the, the guy who calls me, he, he hates me because he hates what I stand for because he loves the Sodomites. Are you there in 2 Chronicles 19? Look at verse 2. Notice what the Bible says. 2 Chronicles 19, 2. And Jehu, remember Jehu, he's a, he's a good guy. He, I, he messed up at the end, but he did a lot of good things. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, notice what it says, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, now here's an interesting question. You got you to gotta underline this in, the, in your Bible. You got you to you know, write this down somewhere. He says, shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore, the wrath uh, uh, is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. He said, shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? He says, look, you are wrong when you love those who hate the Lord. Because he says, if you're aligning yourself with those who hate the Lord, then you're aligning yourself against God. See, here's what you got to understand, and here's what the world, he said, I've never heard this before, but you got to understand this. You cannot just determine, I love everything, I love everyone, I'm for everything. If you're for everything, you're for no one. Because you determine what you love, and that'll determine what you hate. Or you can determine what you hate, and that'll determine what you love. Go, go to Psalm 139. Remember I told you, keep replacing Psalm? Psalm 139. He said, I, didn't, I don't think this is a very good Valentine's sermon. Okay, here's the thing. I, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure next week's sermon is going to be nice, okay? I know I said that last week, but you're, some of you are like, you said that for Mother's Day. Okay, here's the thing. I'm pretty sure next week's sermon, love that neighbor, that's got to be good. You know what I mean? I mean, that can't. Anyway, Second Chron- uh, Psalm 139, look at verse 21. Love thy neighbor. I can't, I can't imagine that going wrong. Psalm 139, look at verse 21. Notice what the Bible says. Because people, people get all upset. They get all uptight. They're like, I don't think you should be using the word hate. Hate is a very strong word, but guess what? So is love. Now, true love, not this shallow love that our society promotes, but true love is a very strong word. Notice what the psalmist said. This is what David said, Psalm 139, verse 21. Because people say, well, I don't know, should we really be hating anyone? Notice what the Bible says. See, you've got to allow the Bible to renew your mind. Here's the problem. You've been watching too much of the Super Bowl. You've been watching too much of primetime television. You've been allowing the programming of this world to, to brainwash you, and you have to allow your mind to be renewed so that you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you've got to let the Word of God transform you, and you've got to just leave at the door the preconceived idea, well, here's what Sesame Street taught me when I was a kid, and here's what you know, Elmo and Barney taught me. Hey, just listen to what God says. Notice Psalm 139, verse 21. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? Now, now listen to me. You say, people say, well, doesn't the Bible say love your enemies? Here's what Jesus said. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you. Some of you, that, that ought to be your Valentine's Day uh, verse for your wife or your, or your husband. Bless them that curse you, okay? Do good to them that hate you. Love your enemies. But here's what the Bible says. I'm supposed to love my enemy. I'm not supposed to love God's enemy. Amen. That's the difference. See, some of you don't like me. And some of you I don't like either. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. But it's not, it's not that we don't love God. It's just, you know, we butt heads. We, 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 we don't get along very well. You know, my, my personality clashes with your personality. I'm supposed to love you. I'm supposed to care for you. You're supposed to love me. I'm supposed to pray for you. We are to love our enemies. But the psalmist said, do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee. And am not I grieved with those that rise up against. Notice, not me. He said to thee. 
So was that right? Look at verse 22. I hate them with perfect hatred. The word perfect means there's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing sinful about this. He says, I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. And then notice what he says, just to emphasize that he's not doing anything wrong. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see, and see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. He says, look, look, there's nothing wrong with what I'm saying. Nothing wrong with what I'm doing. He said, my heart is right. Here's what he's saying. I love God, and it causes me to hate those who hate God. See, love and hate are connected. It's just two sides of the same coin. And what you love determines what you hate. And what you hate determines what you love. And those of you who would say, well, I just don't hate anything, I would submit to you, you don't love anything. You may think you love. But you don't. Because if you love God, you'll hate evil. If you love right, you'll hate wrong. If you love truth, you'll hate lying. You know, this, this idea of the Sodomites, you know, we, we got to talk about it on a regular basis because there's such an agenda that's being pushed to us today. And, you know, so often people want, well, ask me, you know, well, don't, don't you reach out to the Sodomites? Don't you, you know, don't you hold out some hope for them? Why would I hold out hope for someone that God gave up on? I mean, I'm not going to take the time to to, to take you there, but Romans 1, the Bible says that God gave them up. The Bible says that God gave them over. The Bible says that God gave them over to a reprobate mind. The Bible says that they are haters of God, that they hate God. Here's what the Bible says about the Sodomites. 2 Peter 2.14, you don't have to turn there. He says, hearing about the reprobate. He says, hearing, uh, having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin. They cannot stop sinning. Beguiling, don't, don't miss this, beguiling unstable souls. In heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. Here's what they say. They are beguiling. They are tricking. They are entrapping unstable souls. Here's what you got to, here's what, you know, the media doesn't tell you about the sodomites, which you should know. A sodomite is not a reproducer. They are a recruiter. The only way it grows, this idea grows, is by them recruiting people. You don't, they're not, they, they, they don't reproduce. It's not like a sodomite gives birth to a sodomite. They don't give birth to anybody. It's unnatural what they do. But they recruit people. And here's what the Bible says. They beguile unstable souls. Here's what an unstable soul is. A soul that is not grounded, that is not mature. Listen, listen to me very carefully. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, or, or but I'd be very careful, especially those of you that send your kids to public school. I'd be very careful. I, I, would not, I personally would not leave my child in a room with a singing sodomite for five minutes. And you say, well, you know, my, my child, they go to school, and the third grade teacher is an open sodomite. Get your kid out of there. Because they are, uh, they are beguiling unstable souls. They are recruiting. They are molesters. They are perverts, is what the Bible says. And you say, well, I can't believe you would say. But here's the thing. I have so much love for my children. It causes me to hate. And those of you who say, well, I, don't, I mean, I just think the Bible speaks against it, but I just, I don't hate it. And you don't love God. And you don't understand the God of the Bible. Because God says that love, true love, causes you to hate certain things. And if you love children, you hate the pedophile. Look, if you love your wife, you're going to hate the guy that's trying to hurt your wife. If you love truth, you'll hate deceiving. See, loving God requires... And you say, why is this the greatest commandment to love God? Because the requirement of loving God means that we have contempt for this world. Loving God requires contempt for this world. Number two, 
Loving God requires compliance to his word. Go to the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter number 11. Deuteronomy chapter number 11, look at verse number 1. Deuteronomy chapter number 11 and verse 1. Not only does loving God require contempt for this world, but loving God requires compliance to his word. I want you to notice there's a theme in the Bible about this, with this idea of love. And there's so many verses I could take you to. I'm just going to show you enough to make the point. Deuteronomy chapter number 11. You got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 11. Look at verse 1. Notice what the Bible says. Therefore thou shalt love the Lord thy God and keep his charge. Now keep his charge means that whatever he charges you to do, whatever he tells you to do, you're going to do it. And his statutes, that's talking about his laws, and his judgment, and his commandments all way. He says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God and keep his charge and his statutes and his judgment and his commandments. Deuteronomy 11.22. You're there in Deuteronomy 11.1. Go down to verse number 22. Notice what he says. For if you shall diligently keep all these commandments... He says, if you will diligently keep all these commandments, which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to cleave unto him. Go to Deuteronomy 19. Look at verse number 9. Deuteronomy 19 and verse number 9. Deuteronomy 19, 9. Notice what the Bible says. If thou shalt keep all these commandments to do them, which I command thee this day, to love the Lord thy God, to walk ever in his ways, then shalt thou add three cities uh, more for thee beside. Uh, these three. But I just want you to notice this idea. He says, if thou shalt keep all the commandments to do them. Do you, do you see this theme in the Bible where he says, if you're going to love God, you're going to keep his commandments. If you love God, you're going to do what he told you to do. See, love, and, and we'll get into this more next week, all right? Next week, I do. I, look, I'm making you a promise. Next week will be a nice sermon, all right? I, I, I got to do it once a year, so anyway. But, you know, here's the thing about love. Love is not an idea. Love is not a thought. Love is not a noun. See, we think love is a noun, like it's a thing. Love is a verb. People say, I'm in love. You, you, you're not in love. You do love. I'm not in love with my life. With my life, good night. I'm not in love with my wife. I love my wife. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not in love with her. I Love her. I do the action of love. Love is a verb. Love is an action. Love is something you do. And God says, if you love me, keep my commandments. See, love requires compliance to his word. Are you there in Deuteronomy? Where are you? Deuteronomy 30? Are you in Deuteronomy 30? Look at verse 16. Deuteronomy 30, look at verse 16. Deuteronomy 30 in verse number 16. Notice what he says. In that I command thee this day... To love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments. I mean, do you see the theme? Go to Deuteronomy 30, look at verse 20. Deuteronomy 30, verse 20. That thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him. Now, I, I just showed you the ones in Deuteronomy. I could go to other passages, uh, but let me show you something in the, in the New Testament. Go to John chapter 14. I'm just trying to keep them all closed so that we don't spend too much time on it. Because some of you got to take, you know, your wife to McDonald's or something for Valentine's. John 14. John 14. Look at verse number 15. In the New Testament, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John 14. John 14. Look at verse 15. John chapter number 14 and verse number 15. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 14. Look at verse 15. Notice what he says. This is Jesus. He says, if ye love me. Here's what's interesting about Jesus. He doesn't just assume you love him. In fact, he questions your love. 
And other places in the Bible, he tells us to prove our love. He says, the proof of our love. He says, if ye love me, tell me you love me. Is that what he says? Raise your hands up and worship to me. Is that what he says? That's what people, that's what Christians think love is today. I go to church, we turn the lights off, we start the rock concert, I raise my hands up, and I'm just feeling love for Jesus. But look, he says, if you love me, he says, keep the rock concert. He said, just keep my commandments. Amen. Look at John 14, look at verse 21. Go down to verse 21. Notice what, says. Notice what he says. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Look at verse 23, same chapter, John 14, verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. See, here's what the Bible says. If you love Jesus, if you love God, you'll keep his commandments. So here's, here's the application. Don't tell me you love God while you're living in fornication. Don't tell me you love God while you're You say, well, I went to church and I raised my hands up and I got all spiritual. But you were fornicating last night. You were getting drunk last night. You were getting high last night. Hey, that's not loving God. Loving God is keeping his commandments. Amen. See, love, true love, requires compliance to his word. Don't tell me you love God while you're committing adultery. Don't tell me you love God while you're putting other things before God. Because true love, see, loving God, loving God requires contempt for this world. Loving God requires compliance to his word. Number three, loving God requires commitment to his will. You're there in John. Go, go to the book of Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You're going to go two books back. Mark chapter 12. Look at verse number 28. We're almost done. This is a, a short and sweet sermon, Valentine's. So you can go on a date and be back to church tonight, praise God. Mark chapter 12, look at verse 28. Mark chapter 12, look at verse 28. Mark 12, 28, notice what the Bible says. Number one, loving God requires contempt for this world. Number two, loving God requires compliance to his word. Number three, for those of you taking notes, loving God requires commitment. Commitment to his will. Notice what the Bible says. Mark 12, 28. We, this is similar context, passage, parallel passage to what we read earlier out of Matthew, but notice what it says in Mark 12, 28. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered, the first of all, verse number 29, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Now I want you to notice what he says, how you ought to love the Lord thy God. With all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength, this is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. Now notice what the guy responds. Here's what he responds, verse 23. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices, verse 34. And when Jesus saw that, he answered discreetly. He said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. He said, You, you almost got it. He said, he said, You understood it. Now, this idea of loving the Lord thy God with all thy fill in the blanks is found multiple times in the Bible. Don't turn there. Let me just show you what it says. In Deuteronomy 6 5, it says that we are to love the Lord thy God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. Deuteronomy 36 says, With our heart and our soul. 
Matthew 22, 37 says with our heart, our soul, our mind. Mark 12, 30 and 31 says heart, soul, mind, strength. That's what Jesus said. Mark 12, 33, the scribe responded, heart, with our heart, with our understanding, with our soul, with our strength. Luke 10, 27, he says with our heart, with our soul, with our strength, with our mind. So what, what, is God, what is God trying to say? Here's what he's trying to say. Loving God is a full-time job. He said, I'm supposed to love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with my understanding, with my strength, with my might, with everything I've got. I'm supposed to love God. See, loving God requires commitment to his will. And here's the question we ought to be asking ourselves. What does, love, what does loving God require of me? What does loving God require of me? See, that's why I, I don't apologize, and I don't really feel that bad for those of you. You know, I, I don't feel that bad asking you to come to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and come in soul winning on Saturday and nine chapters a day and, you know, come to the sweetheart married couple's banquet and do this and do that. I don't really feel that bad because here's the thing about your life. It doesn't belong to you. Your mind, your soul, your strength, your might, it's God's. If you love them, it's a full-time job. requires commitment. So don't come complain to me about showing up to church on Sunday night. I don't feel that bad for you. Don't come complain to me about what is just so. I don't feel that bad for you. Requires the love of God requires complete commitment. So you got to ask yourself this question on Sunday night at 6 p.m. When you're on your couch getting ready to watch TV. And you think to yourself, oh, man, there's a church service tonight. There's an opportunity tonight for me to go to the house of God, to spend time with the people of God, to hear a sermon out of the word of God that might help me draw closer to God. You got to ask yourself this question. What does loving God require of me right now? Not what does loving me require me, because what loving you requires you to sit on that couch and do nothing. But you got to ask yourself on a, on, a when, on a Wednesday night when you're getting ready to watch that prime time. You ever notice that all the best shows are on Wednesday night? I mean, that's how it was when I was a kid. I don't own a TV anymore. You know, I don't have a TV. But when I was a kid, we used to watch this show. Uh, I'm, I shouldn't even confessing our faults one to another. When I was a kid, we were really into, I don't know why, we were really into Star Trek. All right? I know that's weird, but I'm not a Trekkie. All right? But we were into Star Trek. You know, the next generation, you know, space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. I don't know why. We just like, we like that show. And it was always on Wednesday nights. And, and, and we, we were able to watch enough of it to where, like, we watched the first 10 minutes, and then we had to go to church. So I watched all the first 10 minutes of, like, all of them. But I never really knew how it ended, you know? And then, you know, what was funny is that then our church had to move buildings. And when we moved buildings, they didn't allow us to have the Wednesday night service anymore. Like, the building was being used on Wednesday night. So our church moved the midweek service to Thursday. And I was kind of excited because I'm like, hey, I get to watch Star Trek now. And guess what happened that season? They moved it to Thursday. I'm not joking. And my dad was like, serves you right. You know, <laughs> love the Lord thy God with all your heart. You know. But you know what? You, you got to ask, ask yourself this question when you're getting ready to watch that Star Trek rerun. What does loving God require of me right now? This is what you got to ask yourself on a Saturday morning when it's cold or when it's hot. When you're tired and you're in that bed and you're just so comfortable and you realize, oh man, it's so winning. I got to get up to go so winning. You got to ask yourself this question. What does loving God require of me? What does loving God require? Because it requires complete commitment. Colossians 3, 4, you don't have to turn there. I'll read it for you. Paul said this, when Christ 
who is our life, shall appear. Then you shall also appear with him in glory. See, Christ is our life. It's, it's not that, you know, and I'm not against this term. I think it's a good term. You know, we call Sunday the Lord's Day, and the Bible, you know, uses that, and, and I'm not against that. But listen, it, Sunday's not just the Lord's Day. Monday's the Lord's Day. Tuesday's the Lord's Day. Wednesday's the Lord's Day. Every day is the Lord's Day. But my life is Christ. I love him with all my strength, with all my heart, with all my might, with my soul, with everything. It requires complete commitment to his will. See, loving God requires contempt for this world. Loving God requires compliance to his word. And loving God requires commitment to his will. So here's the question I have for you. Do you love God? Easy to answer, yes. But is it harder to answer this question? What does love require of me? What does loving God require of me? See, we have to get to the point where we just decide, I love God and everything that entails. And the reason people don't like sermons like these, you don't have to turn there, let me read this for you. Jeremiah 5.31 says this, The prophets prophesying falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means, and my people love to have it so. See, for you to come to Verity Baptist Church and like it, you got to love to not be lied to. Some of you are like, I just want to go to church where the pastor just tells me God loves you no matter what you're doing. You're doing great. See you next week. Don't forget to put the check in the offering. That's what most people want. They don't mind putting the check in the offering as long as the pastor never tells them you're doing something wrong. And here's what God said. He said, he said the prophets are prophesying falsely. He says they're lying to you. And my people love to have it so. Do you love to be lied to? Do you want the truth? What does love, what does love require of you? Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father.